Welcome to MVP, our new podcast for anyone that loves to learn new things. I'm Kate. And I'm Jack. And we both work at an online school, MVA. Like most educators, we are passionate about sharing knowledge. And love the sound of our own voices. Each week, we'll invite a special guest to join us for fun and engaging discussions on a wide range of topics, from careers advice to social issues. So sit back, relax, and let's get into it. Hello and welcome back. Hello. I, I, I didn't know I was going to respond then. I, I've, I feel welcome. I'm back in the zone. We're back here for another pod. So today's episode is a bit of an unusual one because we're not really doing any teaching. Uh, we're just going to be chatting, aren't we? And we are going to be talking about, well, Jack, drum roll. Do you want to tell us? Brrr, do you want to tell us what we're we'll talking about? Yeah, we need some sound effects, don't we? Uh, we will be talking about school plays. And you say we're not going to be doing any teaching, but I think from my experience with school plays, I have some lessons that I can pass on. Oh, out of sort of What not to do or how yeah, okay. not to get involved. Oh, good. Good. I'm glad because I was, um, you know, I was the perfect star. So really, um, you know, <laughs> there's nothing I can pass on other than I, worldly advice. <laughs> I always got awful parts, particularly in primary school, but it was my own fault because I was very quiet at primary school. Aww. So I, I'd go some days where I just wouldn't really talk to the teacher, wouldn't really talk to students. Um, it, that sounds quite sad, but I was perfectly happy in my own little world, just getting on with things. And then it was in I secondary school thing, that came out my shell a bit. But yeah. I think that's the thing though, isn't it? I think as parents, um, you know, and or even as teachers, you sort of panic and think, oh, are they okay? They're always playing on their own. You know, they don't really say anything. But actually, sometimes you're just somebody who likes their own company when you're younger. That's There's nothing to be ashamed of there. Yeah. Um, I, w- I was in a school book, pl- book club in um, primary school and the teachers that ran it used to call me Mr. Noisy as an ironic name. But if aww. you're called Mr. Noisy, ironically, in a book club, you're really, really quiet because yeah, the people that's... who go to book clubs are known for being shouty, loud people. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that puts it into perspective. <laughs> yeah, I'm learning more and more about you each week. <laughs> <laughs> well, it actually le- led into my first role, uh, my first starring role at school which was when I was in year two and we did snow a variation on Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs and I was one of the Seven Dwarfs I was bashful uh, which being in year two I thought for about a week after that I was going to have loads of lines and I was just going to be someone who was really clumsy and like bumping into things (laughs) but of course it's the dwarf that doesn't speak and and my only line was to lean over to Snow White and whisper in her ear so I was was slightly gutted at that. So cute. I also feel like um, you're somebody that probably goes red. And so I can like picture you like blushing as like a little child in year two. But yeah. perfect. The perfect bashful. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it was great casting by the teacher. They, they've got a future in Hollywood. But um, for me, it wasn't the part I was looking for. And it also then set off a succession of parts where it went from teacher to teacher to teacher and they all thought oh he doesn't talk he doesn't want a big part in the school play so I followed it up in Beauty and the Beast you've got amazing characters in Beauty and the Beast and Beauty and the Beast being two of them but also yeah. uh, the candlestick whatever his, his name is the clock I'd have happy to be in any of them Gaston uh, yeah. but I was a door 
Uh, and not only was I a door, but I was a door and my costume was a cardboard cutout of a door. So I stood on the stage for the whole play behind this cardboard cutout of a door. Ask me how many times the door opened. Oh, God. How many times? Never. Never. The door did not open at once so you in were that just, play. you were a prop? Yeah. You were I, just I, a prop? I was there because they needed something to lean the cardboard cut out of the door against. And <laughs> it was back in the days when you had these huge camcorders. So somewhere at my parents' house, there's footage of that entire play filming me. But really, it's filming a cardboard cut out of a door that's not... It's going onto stage. It's going off of stage. But it's not doing anything else. So I'd love to watch I've, that back. <laughs> I've got a great recording of me in A Midsummer Night's Dream. <laughs> and I, I think I, when I reflect on this, this is quite outrageous that I, I think I forced my form group to watch it once when I was teaching a few years ago. I was like, oh, you know, we, I think we, we might, must, maybe it was a year seven group and we were doing like um, a Midsummer Night's Dream, but like there's like the kind of more child-friendly Shakespeare versions and I think I've been like oh I was in this I was in this I'll show you nobody wants to watch their teacher (laughs) aged 11 as Titania like get over yourself um (laughs) yeah that's really embarrassing I I I don't plan to reveal that on the pod but yeah well I'd imagine the class so you know the first few minutes it seems yeah this is funny this is interesting and then it's the realization that actually they're going to watch that whole thing uh yeah must have this is a two-hour production yeah and I have three solos so (laughs) (laughs) enjoy enjoy kids I've got this whole week of English covered um, I'd like to think they got the director's cut though, where you could like say, "Oh, that person now is a plumber. That person there, they're, they're in jail." You know, you could yeah. give give all the little anecdote anecdotes around it as well. What's what kind of school do you think I went to where my old classmates are like in jail? Oh, <laughs> clearly a better one than I went to. Then in that case, yeah. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the the original school play because we all know that the moment you hit what four five. Someone somewhere is going to decide at Christmas that you are having a nativity. And when I say I am so sick of hearing about the people and what they were in the nativity um, and blah, 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 blah. Oh, I was Mary. Oh, were you? I don't care. My (laughs) husband was Joseph and he does not shut up about it. A solid... 26 27 years since he had that part yeah Um, it is a big confidence boost i mean i was never going to be joseph again i couldn't have had a speaking role or a main role at that age but i do know a lot of mary's i wasn't i wasn't but i do have a theory that i can tell what anybody was in their school play just by looking at them and you're hearing them talk for a few minutes uh so for example yeah i know you weren't mary but you are very bitter about being mary which also makes me think that you must have been an angel <laughs> it works every single time. It's it, I call it the school play nativity algorithm, and you, you take a lot of different things into uh, in, into connection. So I'll, I'll I'll let you guess what I was, but the type of things you have to take into account are how blonde the child was as well. So bl- if they're really blonde, then, then mm. you're looking at a shepherd, you're looking at an angel. Um, how tall they were as a child, tall tall yeah, child. They could they, be a boy. They, yeah, they're, they're going to get kings. They're going to get... Sorry, I'm a, I went to an all-girls school, so I'm always I'm always <laughs> thinking from, from the perspective of an all-female cast and yes. who gets Joseph, etc. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, so that would now go into the algorithm as well. Um, you also have how 
sort of how much they're going to shout out in a school play situation. You know, you can kind of tell those uh, uh, those adults who come into contact or even sort of older teenagers, you come into contact where you know that they were quite a shouty child. You've got to give those yeah. a role that's, you know, going to be get off, get out of there as quick as possible. So like an innkeeper, for example, stand behind that door, show your face for a few seconds, get them off uh, as well. So, so that's all in the algorithm. Silent, yeah, Silent Jack then, what were you? Because... I would have thought that you were something like a shepherd. I don't know why, but maybe it's because you're yep, from, you've nailed from the it. north. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I was a shepherd, uh, yes. Uh, which a shepherd in my school was you were told to bring in a tea towel and an elastic band and you just whack it on your head, elastic band round it, and that was your, your shepherd outfit. We, If you had a toy sheep, you brought that along as well, but it was a very budget shepherd. And, and so I've got yeah. lots of pictures of me as a shepherd. But I think I was a very blonde kid. Well, I know I was a very blonde kid. So I think that's why I, the algorithm put me into the shepherding role. I see. Uh, I see the algorithm. Well, I actually, so um, I was doing a little bit of research for this pod. Teacher reveals what your child's nativity role really means. <laughs> so I've got that up because I've got a couple of things here that might actually surprise you. Okay. So there's, well, there's very different perspectives here. So I've got one that's from The Independent and one that's from Heart FM. So we are getting <laughs> different spectrums here. But apparently Mary and Joseph are picked because the teachers think that they're the least fidgety kids and some of the most well-behaved. So they'll sit there for sort of half an hour without fidgeting. Yeah, that, that um, fits into the algorithm. So the algorithm states that innkeepers must be the fidgety, boisterous ones. Mm, well, it gets worse because angels, which is what I am. So yeah. it says, whilst most parents are delighted at the thought of their little one being an angel, the teacher claims this angel role is, resolved, is reserved for cute, sensible kids who aren't bright enough to warrant a speaking part no outrageous <laughs> yeah honestly disgusting um you're right innkeepers the role of the innkeeper is for the likely lads who are confident enough to belt out their lines um, but get off stage quickly yeah um and here we go shepherd so you were a shepherd i was shepherd parts are apparently given to the sensible kids Ooh. While King Herod is played by the smartest kid in class. I see. Um, <laughs> what's more, uh, the most stubborn or uninterested children get the ro might get the role of the Christmas tree. I don't actually think there was a Christmas tree no, in our nativity. But the, I didn't have a Christmas tree. I didn't have a, we didn't have a King Herod, but we did have um, my friend who was a pizza delivery guy. Um, and so before Mary and Joseph go knocking on the inns, he goes with the pizza as like the, I suppose, comic relief of the nativity. Um, but that's an insult. If you, you know, there's not a part for you. Yeah. So you have to be the pizza delivery guy. That's. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, well, according to the independent, um, just to add insult to injury, Angel, um, this is what their summary is. Craves attention. <laughs> jealous of other people's success rebellious in the face of obscurity and capable of entering them entertaining themselves for hours with a simple piece of tinsel so i'm not sure what that says about me i mean and I, I think i think they might have nailed you to be honest because jealous of mary already we've seen that in the podcast you know yeah <laughs> I, I provide about as much entertainment back as a piece of tin uh, tinsel so we're 
Well, listen to their summary of The Shepherd, because I'm not sure if they've got this one right. But according to The Shepherd, you are an absolute lad. (laughs) Mad for the bants. I don't know why the the Independent is writing like this. Sometimes naughty, but really it's just a cry for attention. And pretends not to enjoy wearing a tea towel on your head, but secretly loves it. I mean, the last bit is right. The rest of it was yeah. absolutely wrong. Yeah. No, I don't think the independent, the independent have a clue what's going on here. But just to um, just to keep just to keep my husband happy, Joseph always does his homework and gets at least nine out of ten. Snore. <laughs> Definitely going to be a prefect. What a loser. Um, quite quiet, but somehow annoying. Yep, I agree with that. <laughs> and we'll found we'll grow up to found an app that will make him a millionaire. So Ooh. I'll hang around in case yeah. that happens. Yeah, um, counting down the days. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's it's weird, isn't it? The the nativity, and I feel like it's a parent thing. Everyone discussing. Oh, what's your child? What's your child? Yeah, for some of them, I'd imagine it matters more than the grades that they're getting. You know, if you, you're you get Mary in the nativity. And, you know, you're doing okay with your, your year two grades. Oh, yeah. I think it's yeah. Uh, yeah, a, a step above. I'm going to be one of those pushy parents where my daughter will be Mary. And oh, if yeah. not, you know, I'm, I'll be writing into the school. I'll be writing a formal complaint. Um... <laughs> I, I, my child will go down the route of football, I think. And I, I'm, it's called Project Mbappe uh, on, online. But uh, just training them from day one to become the next Messi, Ronaldo, Mbappe every day in and out of the cones you know they'll they'll make me rich through that way that's that's what i'm going for never mind the school play so um other than the nativity and obviously your incredible roles um in juniors you know best and worst moments of other school plays were you were you into drama as a child uh i was yes again not not very loud um I will skip past the years when I was also a table and a tree uh, in oh, wow. Narnia. That, in fact, that, they were both in Narnia. I had, a, I had two roles there, so I was kind of stepping up. That's I was, actually, yeah. do you know what? Congratulations, having two roles. You know, that's difficult to know. And yeah. To, how many lines for each of the roles? Uh, neither. No, 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 no lines no at all. Lines. No, that's but okay. there was, you know, there's character progression there because the tree turns into the wooden table, you could say. Even though there are two separate characters, I like to think of it as one encompassing role uh, in that. The point. circle but, of life. Yes, exactly. When speaking of the circle of life. Uh, oh, here we my go. starring role in year six was Mufasa in The Lion King. That's and then, like the best role. Well, you'd think that, but don't forget he dies about 10 minutes in. So I did have words to say, but... Jack, I think you're supposed limited. to say spoil, spoiler alert oh, yeah. before things like that. Oh, yeah, um. we'll, we'll, we'll have to edit that in in post. Yeah, um, But it involved me in the something bad happening to Mufasa, climbing up on the top of the apparatus and throwing myself off the top oh love um, it how adventurous yeah, it was it was it was very very exciting then in the second half i got to go in a cupboard with a microphone and and do the booming voice of, uh, of course over the clouds oh that is a good part yeah yes, it was it didn't go perfectly on the first um run so we had a dress rehearsal i remember on the monday and my costume was uh, a mask of a lion uh, you'd guess but a mask of a lion and then like a sarong type thing so a bit of blue fabric that went over one shoulder and was safety pinned at the back kind of um, like a toga exactly yeah kind of like a toga um as you'd imagine when you're throwing yourself off the apparatus 
that's probably not the best thing to be wearing. So what happened is the safety pins kind of came apart a bit. And underneath that toga, it's a toga. You're, you're just wearing your pants. So oh, I was I'm, just going to say, like, was there an outfit on underneath? Yeah, or? no, no, no. It's, it's a pair of Scooby-Doo pants, if I remember rightly. And I, I just fall in a heap, try and then cover myself up, go off dead full of shame yeah full of shame the teacher escorts me away and kind of safety pins me back up but that was the day that i remember thinking actually adults lie because it was a dress rehearsal we didn't have many adults in the in the audience but my granddad was there um and he kind of took me away and the first thing he said after the play was yeah that was very very good i don't think anyone noticed when your costume (laughs) came up which instantly makes you think well he noticed i didn't bring that up yeah. So, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. So that that's a real defining moment in my childhood when I realised that, you know, adults do lie to you sometimes and that's probably OK and for the best. Yeah, no, that's that's good. That's good. Yeah, I um, I, I always really enjoyed acting. I really enjoy. Oh, sorry, I'm making a noise. Um, tapping my pen. Um, no, I I. I enjoyed it in junior and senior, I think in in secondary school as well where it it becomes more of a choice. I feel like in junior school, there is a play at the end of year six or at the end of year four, whatever that is. And you are involved. There's no choice element. Of course, you might audition for particular roles. As I um, mentioned earlier, I was Titania (laughs) in A Midsummer Night's Dream. Oh, yes. Quite a a strong female lead. Um, (laughs) But, but like on the whole every single person in the class gets part so you don't if you're terrible at um being on stage and that idea freaks you out you don't really have much say whereas in secondary school it's a lot more like there is a play it's across all of the different year groups and lots of people go and audition i suppose yeah did you do any in secondary school i didn't uh that mufasa ended it for me i've not gone back to the world of theater that's that's uh put a pin in that for now oh no oh so you were really traumatized by oh, exposing yeah. yourself to the to the world yeah to, well, that's surprising yeah some would say i was banned from school plays after that point yeah but what about you did you uh yeah. do any secondary school plays yeah i really enjoyed it i think i i it was more probably when i was younger because you get that thing don't you when you work your way up school where suddenly things become like less cool in the kind of public perception so you know super keen year seven year eight absolutely up for it it's so fun want to do anything really and then it gets um I did do I yeah I, I think I was probably in I don't know maybe three or four school plays I was Mary and Mary Poppins. Uh, <laughs> that is a that Mary, you know, that, and that's pretty good. It's that almost as good as good, nativity, In fact, it's actually, there's, there's much more speaking in that than there is in the nativity. So <laughs> yeah. I was just waiting for my time to shine. Does no, the independence I, I really say what that it. means? If you're Mary and Mary Poppins, It doesn't, Poppins, I'm going to, yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I should have done more research really and just search Mary in general. Uh, real <laughs> go-getter. Practically yeah. perfect in every way. Um, <laughs> Likes rules. Needs to abide by <laughs> rules. Needs to have control over other people. <laughs> Is it has a sweet tooth? <laughs> yes. Uh, I always found school plays, and when I was in them, there was a, it was a feeling like nothing else really. You're part of this team, and particularly if you're in younger years, you would be spending time and form relationships with people in different year groups, which 
really didn't happen at my school unless you were doing something like that it was you know you you didn't really you weren't friends with people in the year above or the year below but then you become part of this little group who are doing the play and suddenly all of those age barriers they're out the window um so i i always really liked that element of it and i really loved the adrenaline that you got from from doing a show and always yeah always really really enjoyed it and i feel like it's there were so many benefits that i got from doing that even just developing my confidence throughout secondary school i really really developed my confidence from doing things like that because you're well for a start you're practicing how you present yourself and how you articulate yourself and everything like that all those public speaking skills i've probably taken them with me throughout my career really because actually when you teach jack i don't know if you know this (laughs) basically just putting on a play yeah Yeah, you're basically being like look at me look at me don't like pay me attention pay me attention i'm gonna try and teach you something um so it's really similar i think to standing up in uh standing up in a class versus standing up in a in a hallway so, yeah it's it's not always as exciting as mary poppins or the lion king the lesson you're trying to p- perform i suppose um maybe so, your lessons jack well yeah on atomic structure and chemistry but yeah it's it, it's not got the quite the same ending it's not got the same twist in the middle of the lion king house no yeah, I think I think in English you kind of do get away with it a little bit. You can get the dramatics out there if you're doing literature. If I'm doing like this is how you use an apostrophe, then obviously um there's not a huge amount of <laughs> performance that goes into that, but uh you do get more out of it with literature than I would say you do with the uh, atomic structure. So I mean there absolutely could be performance done with it. You could, you know, come up with a whole dance routine about apostrophes, but I, I think you'd be kind of get you get some weird looks in the classroom and uh, it might not have the effect you want it to. Also, whilst I maintained that I was good on stage, one thing I would I could never ever do and that is dance. Oh really? Just <laughs> terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. So anything else to wrap up about school plays before we move on to our next feature? No, I don't think so. I think the the main thing is if you're thinking about getting involved in a school play um, is to do it. Uh, it's it, lots of transferable skills that you can use in later life. We mentioned the fact that we use it in teaching, uh, but often if you're presenting, it's uh, good to have that in the bag, good to have that practice to fall back on. Um, if you're not able to get involved in school plays at school uh, there is always the option to join a local drama group as well yeah the amdram <laughs> um so we're going to move on to teach a liar pants on fire and this Excellent. week i have prepared the headlines now i've prepared three headlines as per usual but i've actually prepared a fourth bonus headline um which is uh which is true that i just want to tell you because i knew that you'd guess it to be true so there's no (laughs) point in me including it in because it's just so weird that there's no way i would have made this up (laughs) but i just wanted to include it anyway because it might be the best headline i've ever read okay Um, i can't wait for this I'll do the first three um, for you to guess and then I'll give you your bonus one. So, number one. Man sets new world record by holding his breath for 30 minutes underwater. Number two. Group of scientists invent a pill allowing you to eat as much junk food food as you like without gaining weight. 
Number three, woman discovers rare diamond worth $20,000 on dog walk. Ooh, okay. So I'm going to go straight for the middle one and break that one down. So uh, a pill that you can eat and it allows you to eat as much junk food as you want. That must destroy your insides. What's in that? (laughs) Just acid? It's just get everything's yes. going straight through. Nothing can you be You do digested. die, but you don't gain weight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's unbelievable, but I, I don't think you would have made that up because it doesn't sound real. But, and I feel like if you're making one, I mean, I'm getting too much into my own head, but if you're making one up, it has to sound somewhat real. But uh, well, yeah. um, the first one, 30 minutes underwater, holding breath. Yeah. Sounds doable. Um, I remember David Blaine did like four hours or something like that, but that was either magician, and so it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't real. But I don't think that counts. But yeah. yeah, he was very good at that. I remember being quite captivated by some of his different performances. Yeah, I can't remember what culture it's in, but there are these people, these fishermen, who can dive underwater, hold their breath, and just like grab fish and just like walk along the bottom of the ocean floor, grabbing the fish and stuff. Yes, I think I've seen that. I don't yeah. know what's on, but yeah, that is really cool. I'll look it up after this and it will be completely not that. But um, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then the last one was Dog Walk Diamond. I think you can't find it. I think that's got to be the lie. No one's finding diamonds on a dog walk, are they? They are. Oh. <laughs> so, so that's true. Don't tell me the one that I ruled out straight away is the the lie, the the pill uh, that makes you eat as much junk food as you want. Is that true? So it is true. No, okay. So you were right to rule that out. Um, so the record is not thirty minutes underwater, unfortunately. Oh. It's twenty four. Oh, so that's pretty close. Yeah, I, I, you see where I was misled and why that was a good one to put as a lie. Yeah. Mm. It's uh, 24 minutes is still long though, isn't it? Oh yeah, bonkers. I, I, I think I, do, I used to do this thing where I would hold my breath going under tunnels when I was in the car as a yeah. child. Um, and just you'd be like, <gasps> and like, was, wait. Yeah, it, a rough trip I, to I France, think... that one, wasn't it? it was, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just passed out in the back. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't make it to Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> right do you want the the bonus uh the bonus headline definitely biologist discovers new blonde species of moth of moth with tiny genitals and names it after <laughs> donald trump i <laughs> i think i had seen that actually so i would have known that that one would have been true but that does sound yeah. made up it does sound you know completely yeah that's amazing it goes to show how many species there are and how little care there is for the actual naming conventions of the species because there's so many you can just call it whenever you like if you've discovered it yeah exactly yeah there's there's no committee for approval no um right so classroom confessional yes i've got a good one today um in Great. fact i always have a good one but this one i particularly like because it fits in roughly with the theme of school plays as we always try and do um but it's uh i it's from a student who is particularly nervous about public speaking and knows that okay. in the classroom sometimes they will be asked to speak up uh so by uh give an answer verbally and 
they're just asking for some advice as to how they can get over those nerves because it's making lessons a little bit you know uh, they're making them feel a bit anxious about going to lessons as well because they're finding it tricky to get over the fact that they might have to talk as well so do you have any advice for that student one of the things that i used to be really nervous about is you know when you're reading in class and you kind of know that you're going to have your turn but you don't know when your turn's coming and you almost work yourself up and you get into your own head don't you that I'm going to have to read and I, I don't want to make a mistake on the bit that I read. Yeah. Um, so the best thing to do really with any kind of anxiety and any, uh, particularly if you've got something like speaking and listening coming up and you need to present is is just to get more and more comfortable with it. And the only way to do that is unfortunately to practice. And it doesn't mean practice in front of people necessarily. It might be that you practice speaking speaking out loud or um, reading out loud or presenting out loud but you do it in the privacy of your own room so you get used to firstly the sound of your own voice the parts where you might want to go up the parts where you might want to speak faster or be louder be more dramatic and so what I would I would I would genuinely set, set yourself tasks little little things that you want to read out and practice little um you know paragraphs in whatever book you're reading where you want to say them out loud and practice projecting to the back of your wall uh, and the more you do that the more it won't feel quite so alien when you are having to do things like that in in school in front of people it will, it will hopefully just build your confidence what do you think jack yeah I, I think it's another case of building up small goals so uh, we mentioned it earlier but i was a student particularly at primary school who just didn't ever want to speak up didn't want to uh, uh sort of give my opinion or people to hear my opinion really I, I, and I, that was perfectly fine for me i was happy with that um but now i've got a podcast so <laughs> it's yeah. not a state that you always want to stay in and what I found is as I moved into secondary school um, I wanted to be heard more and more and more um, and the way I kind of eased myself into it was I'd go to lessons sometimes having something in mind that I was going to say or going to ask or going to contribute towards so I'd be thinking about what we did in the last lesson and think okay were there any questions there that I could have answered so if similar questions come up this time I know I've got something ready to go for that and again it, it's just having that preparedness beforehand having that idea of what you want to do can make it a little less scary um yeah the other thing as well is, is just picking and choosing your moments so you might feel really really confident in one particular subject and not so confident in others uh, so you might choose to start to try and speak up more in that one that you're more confident in or in ones where you've lessons where you've got smaller groups or you're going to be working in groups as well so you've got mm -hmm. a smaller audience to kind of uh, voice your opinion to as well and just yeah. building it up bit by bit from there really helped me find those areas where you can make yourself more comfortable and confident work on those areas and use that as the launch pad to then push yourself a little bit more and a little bit more and and naturally confidence grows the more comfortable you start feeling in your own skin and the more um you know settled that you are and, and so I wouldn't put too much pressure on yourself either because as you said Jack you went from being the child that doesn't want any lines and is perfectly happy doing that and you know and, and being quiet in lesson to 
having a podcast, being deputy head of a school. You know, you're you're the face. You're one of the figureheads of our school. You're involved in everything. You're on when we're making promotional films. You're there, you know, acting them out. You're you're doing this. You're in assembly. So it's not like it's something that can't be overcome, is what I would say. Yeah, I'm, I'm making up for lost time now. I've stored yeah, up all my words. Shut you up. Yeah, I just got to blurt them out. Everyone's got to hear my voice, hear my opinion. Blah 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 blah. Um, but no, yeah. Another thing that I, I was thinking of then that actually helped was um, I always did sport on a Saturday, and so talking up a little bit more during games when I know you know chances are no one's going to be listening to me. But if I sort of say uh, as the defensive line, let's step up a bit, or um, I you know shout Jack's ball or something like that, that was out of my comfort zone, but it was manageable. And I knew that no one was really listening anyway. So it was a nice first yeah. initial step. So you might find that there's something similar for you as well. It's all about not feeling silly, isn't it? And and not feeling like if you put yourself out there, you're going to get knocked down. Um, so, so do, you know, small steps, you know, put yourself out there in a place where you're definitely not going to. And that might be your, your bedroom. That might be the sports pitch. Yeah, great. Well, I think we've just got one last thing to do, haven't we? Uh, which is our MVP of the week. Have you got one, Jack? I do. I've got a good one this week. Uh, so I've, I've been doing a lot of running this week um, and in the last few weeks because I'm, I'm currently training to do the London Marathon. And so just out of interest, I've been looking at what the fastest marathon time is. And the fastest 26.2 miles is just under two hours. And it's by a, a gentleman called... Eliud Kip Chonge, uh, who oh, yeah. I watched the video for it earlier on today, and it is incredibly quick. So I'm looking to do my marathon in just under four hours, which is a fairly respectable time. Him to do it twice as quick as that is just Im seemingly impossible for me. Yeah, uh, I mean, just doing it seems pretty impossible. Yeah. Yeah, well, th this is his career, so he does it, you know, multiple times a year, which is incredibly awful uh, sounding to me. Um, but then just to do it at that pace, I, I suppose by doing it over two hours, you're kind of saving on, you know, he's not running as for as long as me, so maybe he's saving on energy that way. Maybe he's got maybe it easier. burning less less calories. It's like... yeah. <laughs> If I was to go on a, a car ride for four hours or a car ride in a Ferrari for two hours, I'd much prefer the car ride in the Ferrari for two hours. So if we compare it that he way, was. he's probably got the easier role here. You know, I should be the world record holder for taking even longer. Have well, you got an MVP? I have, but I just, I've, I don't know if it's going to get me in trouble. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. <laughs> so my MVP of the week is actually Gary Lineker. Okay, yeah. Have you heard about this? I have. I don't think you'll get in trouble. I th I think he's okay. <laughs> yeah, so Gary Lineker kind of came out in opposition uh, to some quite harsh immigration policies that are being put forward by the British government. Um, if you want to hear more about politics, tune into our <laughs> other episode. Um, and whilst... I, you know, Jack and I did this episode on, on politics and we, I think we stayed quite neutral. But one of the things that I, I don't like this narrative of immigrants being some sort of reason behind issues that we're having in Britain. I, I genuinely do, do not like that narrative. And I do believe it's kind of a, an easy scapegoat and it's, um, you know, very, very easy for communities to kind of have an us and them mentality. And I, it's just not something that's ever sat, sat well with me. 
and so the more that we you know have have issues in our in our country one of the solutions i would not be looking to do is think oh okay well let's just make sure that nobody can get in here uh, no we can't get any asylum seekers and things like that that for me is not a solution we can do better rather than just exclude people sorry for the political rant um so gary lineker this week i think obviously had had a similar reaction to um to one of the sort of rules that they were going to try and introduce and and basically the government's plan to ban any illegal migrants um coming over to the uk uh on boats and like a ban the boats is like a kind of you know slogan that they're rolling out now and gary lineker obviously famous uh you know football commentator footballer likes crisps um (laughs) and so lots of people had an issue with the fact that he really took a stand against this and has kind of publicly said that he he considers it to be cruel and that this kind of narrative resembles you know nazi germany and and you know that may well be extreme and i'm not saying that you know that's entirely accurate but why he's my mvp of the week is just a because he just sat up and said something and i i i respect people who get out of their lanes and and lots of people don't lots of people are like you're you're we only care what you think about match of the day anyone that's in the public eye has a voice and why and you should use it and and sometimes they they'll use it and they'll say things that i don't agree with and sometimes they'll use it and they'll say things i do agree with and this week it was a case of that um and there was lots and lots of backlash there was talk of him being sacked because he works with bbc and they're supposed to be impartial and blah 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 gary lineker mvp of the week for kate I yeah, doesn't get me in trouble. No, I think that's a good one, and I think it's exactly the reason why we should be giving people these this sort of MVP status. It's that they are speaking up, they are not afraid, despite you know, to voice their opinions and to do what they think is right, no matter what the circumstances might be. Or the, mm-hmm. the uh, so in Gary, Gary, Lineker, Gary Lineker's case, he got a lot of uh, backlash from the BBC. The BBC said that they would talk to him. Um, I hope that talk some, went somewhere along the lines of fine carry on yeah yeah <laughs> but uh yeah it seems to be okay he's not gonna get sacked for it i don't think but uh yeah great mvp great well great episode um thanks for listening bye <laughs>